As we find ourselves social distancing and isolating indoors, many of us are returning to a love we once knew well. Books. Over the last decade, indie bookstores in particular have found themselves competing against basically the Voldemort of booksellers. I won't name it, but really? Do I even have to? But the current crisis has maybe given indie bookstores a real moment of opportunity, a chance to reclaim the audiences they've lost in recent years. So today, we're bringing you the first episode of a two-part look into the current state of indie bookstores, the people behind the shelves, and the platform that's poised to save them. We start with Danielle Mullen, the owner of Semicolon Bookstore and Gallery, Chicago's only Black woman-owned bookstore. Danielle talks about her pivot to online sales through bookshop.org, the pressures of being a Black bookseller, and her recent hashtag Clear the Shelves fundraiser with the goal of raising $25,000 to provide free books for Chicago public schools. Talking to Danielle not only gave me life, it reminded me of the power of small business. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Gross Show. Just to begin with, I think more and more of us are returning to books right now to ease our minds. I I know I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, what are you reading right now? Oh, honey, I am (laughs) reading. So we get these things uh, called ARCs, which are advanced reader copies. Um, And I got a new one by Friedrich Bachmann. It comes out in August, I think. And it's called Anxious People. And I love Friedrich Bachmann. He's the author of uh, A Man Called Ove. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's so good. And this new book is equally good. And I am so excited. And this is actually my third time reading it because that's how much I like it. So That's awesome. (laughs) God, it's got to be cool to get those advanced copies. Oh, I love it. Sort of in the know before everybody else. It's Well, you're in the know, but you're also kind of judgy because you're like, oh, this is going to be awful. I'm only going to order two of these. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, has there ever been a time that you've just been like surprised by a book bouncing differently than you thought? All the times. All the time. And I'll tell my customers when they're looking for it, I'm like, don't do it. And they're like, thank you after they go read the reviews. So, you know, it's kind of like the booksellers against the world, but at least we're telling the truth. (laughs) Fair enough. That's, that's, you know, superheroes work. Agreed. All right. So, so tell me a little bit about, um, semicolon bookstore and gallery. Okay. So semicolon, um, is, is a complete clusterfuck of this happened by chance. Um, I, I walked by a space and I had no plans of opening a bookstore, but when I saw that it was, uh, for, for lease, I toured it and was like, okay, well, here we are. <laughs> and really? within, really within 12 hours, I'd signed the lease. Um, and within 24 hours, I was in there knocking down walls and building shelves. Uh, so it was really one of those things that the universe had to have tapped me on my shoulder because I wasn't even supposed to be on that street. I was lost. Oh my God. <laughs> and the universe was like, okay, just do this. And I did it. And somehow we are still working. Um, I've been in the publishing industry uh, for quite a while, but I had not run a bookstore by myself. And so I'm like, I know there's a way this is supposed to be done, but I'm going to kind of do what I want to do. Um, that and again, so gutsy. That, 
it's also working and people come in not expecting the normal bookstore and that's absolutely not what they get. Uh, we have art, we have music, we have candles. Everybody comments on how our store smells like heaven as uh, I think a bookstore should smell. <laughs> yeah, so okay, take me there because I'm stuck in my house right now. Oh, Can you be, I'm, I'm picturing <laughs> candles. Can you describe the store to me? So when you walk into the store, you are kind of jarred because it's, is um, we do our books outward facing because I'm a curator by trade. And so you need to see these covers and see how beautiful they are and see how long people like me work on these covers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, you see uh, um, a huge piece that was done. We had a mural piece done by a Chicago artist that is uh, Basquiat and Frida Kahlo. Um, very childlike, um, both holding books. That's wow. kind of our vibe. We have introduced murals. Um, we have over 15 murals in the store, all by Chicago artists, and they're all graffiti. Oh, that's so cool. It's so it feels, amazing. It feels just incredibly immersive. So take us back to January of 2020. What were the plans heading into this year? Man, <laughs> we were about to expand and add coffee and alcohol. We're BYOB. Um, anybody can tell you when they come into the store, we typically have a drink um, <laughs> because I drink all day. So um, we were about to expand and add a cafe portion. That was the plan for March. And we we're going to do a store in Atlanta as well as DC and LA. Wow. And so we had That's all these huge expansion. plans. Yeah, yeah. Serious expansion because it's working and people like how it feels. And I think that's the thing that kind of puts independent bookstores ahead of the average bookstore. We're allowed to be whatever we want to be and people like it. Well, I think it's really interesting because so typically when you think about a bookstore, it's fairly well known that, you know, the, the profit margin is like razor thin for bookstores. Yeah, You've got absolutely. everything else <laughs> that goes into it. What is it, even before all of this, what's it like to operate under such razor thin conditions? And to ask the blanket uh, question, like, why, why would you get why into do that? It? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have to explain that first. I grew up in the hood. Like, this is really normal. You <laughs> never have enough money for everything. Yeah. And, and I'm grateful uh, because those spot. lessons, yeah, like those lessons, I'm not uncomfortable um, operating with low margins. Yeah. And it's, it's surprising how much you can get done with very little money. Yeah. And so um, it is. Why go into it? It's because I believe that books change lives. I yeah. truly believe it. I will tell anybody that who will listen. Um, and I believe that somebody has to do the work to help change lives. That's awesome. Well, they certainly changed my life. Um, so I would imagine, you know, as as you've been gaining um, attention for this bookstore, yeah. I would imagine you're starting to hear, you know, people talking about Chicago's only black woman owned bookstore. I imagine mm -hmm. that's kind of a double edged sword. Tell me what it feels like to hear that. Oh, it's horrible. Is it? Um, yeah. I, I'm going to be honest and say I did not do my market research. <laughs> so I did not realize I would be the only one. So when the article started coming out, I was like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> eject, eject. 
Shit, Why I is don't that wanna... though? Um, it's because it puts a lot of pressure on you. I think people expect um, blackness to be representative of something very specific. And yeah. we get lost in that concept. But my blackness doesn't look like or doesn't have to look like any other blackness. It just is. Yeah. And so, you know, people were expecting me to have books by only black authors, but I don't only read black authors. Right. And so it kind of creates these expectations. And I had to keep reminding myself that I am here to do things the way I want to do them. And I don't have to live up to these expectations. And I can honestly say 90% of the time, I can make a believer out of whomever comes in. That other 10%, I tell them to kick rocks gracefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you can't please them all. I know, I know. So you're coming into 2020, riding that wave, and then March 15th, uh-huh. the, the <laughs> Illinois governor orders all non-essential businesses to close. Yes. Where were you when you heard that? On March 13th, which was a Friday the 13th, which are typically my favorite days of the year, um, we had this huge gallery opening. We were, we have a gallery in the bottom floor of our store and we were introducing our first female gallery artist. And it was this huge event that we've been touting for months. And it's a Friday night and nobody really shows up. And it's because everybody's at this point, they know it's coming. So they were out getting supplies. And so it's the artist and her family and it's my employees and I in the store and we go, well, (laughs) oh my gosh, I guess we're going to go ahead and close now. Um, we don't want to be behind the curve. We, yeah. we'd actually prefer to set it. And so we have a quick meeting and we decide if we're going to be closed and we don't know how long we're going to be closed, which means kids are also going to be out of school. We need to box up all these books and give them to CPS. CPS. CPS, Chicago Public Schools, um, because the kids won't won't have books, won't have access to books. A lot of these kids won't have access to internet. This is about to get really sketchy and really murky. And so that's what my team did. We boxed up all of the books in our store um, and we contacted some teachers uh, that we knew and they came and got the books to give away to their their kids. Um, And so we tried to turn it into something good, but it was honestly me just moving on the fly, yeah. not knowing what should be done at that point. I'm like, if we reopen in two weeks, this is really going to bite me in the ass. <laughs> yeah, because in those early days, it was really unclear what how it long this would unclear. go on for, what um, would happen. Yeah. Like, Were you feeling fear at that point or were you just so focused on the moment? Like, how do you, how do you process something that indefinite? I try to deter fear by doing something positive. Mm -hmm. Um, Hence giving the books away. Like it make, if I can focus on something else, I'm okay. But once I locked the store and left, I didn't sleep for about five days. Um, Just an, an immense amount of stress. I'm thinking I'm stressed, but I have employees who have no idea what's about to happen next. Um, At which point we decided, okay, we have to, pay the employees even if it comes out of my pocket yeah and that that was more stressful to me than even worrying about the store I'm like the store will be fine we'll figure it out yeah but my employees that pressure that's hard yeah 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 and in many ways they've taken a leap of faith on you and 
Exactly. And I think a lot of people forget. They think as an entrepreneur, you work for yourself, but you actually work for, <laughs> for your, your employees. employees. That's interesting. You, yeah. you are fully responsible for their livelihood and that's heavy. <laughs> so, so one of those decisions was that you decided to start selling books online. Can you tell me about yes. that decision? Because that's you think about everything you just said about the experience of the bookstore and it was almost more about the place than it was about the things within it or the purchase. Yes. What is that decision like to move to online sales? Oh, um, it was super, super hard. I'd always said like, listen, if you want books, you know, even people who follow us on social media, I'm like, well, whenever you get a chance to come to Chicago, yep. um, because if you don't have the experience, you don't get it. Uh, but I realized that we were not going to survive this if we were unable to sell books online. Yeah. It just wasn't going to happen. And since we couldn't have people at work, we couldn't do the sales our, ourselves. So um, we followed the trend and everybody seemed to be going uh, to Bookshop. I did some research. They seem like an excellent company and I am just really happy. Um, this is one of the second best decisions I've made in <laughs> in anything having to do with semicolon. I'm really happy with how it's going. So for those who may not be familiar with Bookshop, what made them different in your mind? So the cool thing about Bookshop is that they're working directly with independent booksellers. Um, that's amazing. I think that, you know, we, the name we, we dare not say. Um, you could say Amazon. It's different. <laughs> I, I try to avoid it like the plague. Uh, but <laughs> we, you know, I don't order anything from Amazon for any reason. Um, and, and I've been in that lifestyle for about the past three to four years. And so I wanted to work with a company ideally that could get it done and that seemed to care enough about the independent booksellers. And so when I'm reading up on the company, I saw this thing that said every six months they also split a portion of the sales among all of the bookstores that are participating. And I'm like, this is amazing. That's something that they absolutely don't have to do because I consider how much they're actually helping us yeah. out as booksellers by doing um, basically all of the work and giving us a percentage of the sales. And I'm like, this is a great company. It seems to be somebody who cares about the big picture and I'm the same way. And so that was what pretty much drew me yeah. over. So how, you know, in the, I would imagine in the past, it's felt kind of hard to trust places like online booksellers. What helped get you yeah. over that gap? Um, I really think it was just seeing the other bookstores that were participating. Uh, they're bookstores that I know and love, like the Lit Bar um, in the Bronx. Noel has become what I consider a friend in the business nice. to me. And I'm like, you know, she knows what she's doing. She actually started her process years before she opened her bookstore and she worked in independent bookstores and she did all yep. this research and fundraising. And so she was one of the first people who reached out um, when my store opened to say, hey, let me know if you need anything. And I'm like, I oh, do. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so to see that she was um, participating on Bookshop, I was like, well, listen, I know whatever she's doing is fully vetted. I'm following yeah. her. <laughs> but that's important, you know, that peer network and, you know, playing a role in kind of help paving the way for some of this. So what's the response been like with the online store? Oh man, it's been so great. Uh, a part of the experience is the fact that we have very, very lively debates 
pretty much every day in the store. And you know, that can only happen when you have a certain amount of people, a certain group of people in the space. We have a lot of students, a lot of professors. Um, And I'm really going to miss the debates, but I also recognize that even if we never have another huge crowd, our intended effect has been felt. Yeah. Um, we, we have people who are now into books and art and it's only because they've come to our store. Um, we get a ton of, of thank you emails and everything that says, says that they're better because of coming to our store. And I am grateful for that. So if it never goes back to how it was, I'm happy. And I feel like we've done what we were meant to do. How are you personally grappling with this whole experience? I mean, this is a year like no other. And (laughs) I imagine through every possible twist and turn of emotion. Absolutely. Where are you at right now? Um, I am. I think I am at the point where I'm finally okay. I am okay with whatever comes of this because I recognize that everything happens as it should. And if I truly believe that it is it is kind of difficult to get caught up in, in fear um, or in stress. And so I went from a very fearful, stressful place and not knowing what was going to happen next yeah. to honestly just being open to whatever does happen because I know it'll be the right thing. You know, it's it's interesting because when you get a, a major plot twist like this in history. <laughs> a plot twist, yeah. <laughs> it does feel like there has been a movement towards coming together around indie bookstores in particular right now. Um, yes. Does that resonate with you? Are you are you starting to feel that in in the audience? And yes, yeah. I am so happy. It's only for so long that indie booksellers can stand outside our stores and yell, "Buy books from us," because <laughs> it makes more sense. Um, <laughs> see, I think that um, Amazon did us a big favor by taking books off of their priority delivery. Yes. Um, and as soon as that occurred, everybody was like, well, now, yeah. why would I bother? And it's like, we've been saying this. <laughs> and so I I am actually grateful to good old Jeff for that. Yeah. But, it's, it's interesting. But People it's, like rediscover that they can wait for deliveries. You again. can wait. Imagine that. And oh, you just got this book today. Well, you haven't even started reading it yet. You'll be fine before the next one comes. <laughs> Or walk to your local store if you can't wait. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's beautiful to see, and I'm glad that we are getting a tad bit of the appreciation that we deserve for not only providing jobs, but you know, actually paying into the taxes of the cities where we live. Yeah. Like all of these things don't go into account. I actually had a customer email me the other day, and it's like, yeah, I want. 20 of this book, but Amazon has it for this amount. Can you match it? And I just emailed back and I'm like, hell no, good luck. Yeah. Um, because are you kidding? <laughs> but no, I, I am glad to see people returning to what matters. Yeah. And that's small business. That's what America was built on. That's what's going to continue to keep America afloat time and time again. I've heard you're writing a bit of an op-ed on the subject right now. Can you give us a little preview <laughs> on it? Oh, honey. Um, yes, because I, you know, there's there's book selling and then there is black 
book selling and it is a completely different beast. Um, we know that literacy uh, rates are lower in black communities, yeah. um, which makes it a lot harder to sell black books. Um, and black booksellers, like my store is 80% black authors. Yeah. Um, because I know that as a black bookseller, black people are coming to my store. And so we're going to have books that other stores likely don't even think to order. Right. But we also have such a large income disparity that it makes it difficult to do the sales numbers that other stores are doing, simply selling to the people that our store is supposed to cater to. Yeah. And, and why? And we have to take it back to historical facts, you know, why we don't read as a people, um, why we are disinterested in the constantly falling literacy rates of our kids, why we're not doing anything to fix yeah. it. And it comes down to the simple fact that we can't. We are working. We are stressing. We are doing everything under the sun. I don't even have time to think about books yeah. right now. And so, you know, we focus a lot on literacy rates and on giving giving away books. Like we're doing a book giveaway this Saturday yeah. and giving books to kids in the community. And we started a GoFundMe for it and we were looking for 25K. And I'm like, worst case scenario, I'll, you know, pad it. I just want people to know that we're doing right. it. And I'm realizing, and that's what made me write the op-ed because I'm thinking, there are non-black bookstores that are asking for, they're raising 100K, yeah. 200K, 250K. And the fact that we can't raise 25K, not even to keep our store afloat, but to give books to kids, right. this is a community issue and it is incredibly problematic. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, I mean, it's a crisis in and of its own right. And I think that this is where a business becomes more than a business, right? You think about yes. <laughs> the the pivotal role that an individual business plays in a multifaceted way across a community, you know, right. first and foremost by just bringing in local economy, but then all right. of the epiphenomenal effects of what it means to have black authors and book exactly. giveaways and the literacy impact and the sort of cascading effects of that. It becomes it becomes bigger than than just opening or closing a door. It's it's much bigger um, and the effects are going to span lifetimes. And I keep that in mind with every move that gets made. And everybody's asking, you know, they're sending emails and they're like, you know, how can you worry about this when you don't even know, you know, what your store is going to look like or if it's going to reopen? Yeah. And I'm thinking, how can we not it's worry about this? <laughs> You know, it's it's an absolute necessity. These kids don't have books. They're not in school. They're not at home. So what does uh, you yeah. know? What does that do? It creates children who are not reading at all. Yeah. It creates another generation of illiteracy. Yeah. How do you think this moment is going to shape the industry in the years to come? I hope that this will encourage small business owners. You know, we have been out here floundering, but we have been helping one another. Yeah. And, and we have been bringing it back to the kind of community focused love that matters most. And I hope that even as everything else begins to open up, this feeling stays. This, this feeling, this wanting to share this, I don't have everything, but I do have this and I would like to give it to you. Yeah. 
I hope that stays with us as business owners, as an economy. That's awesome. Any final words for those businesses that are in the same shoes as you are um, trying to navigate this? Yes. Listen, y'all, we got this. Small business is a beast and we have managed before this and we will manage after this because we are the creators in this country and creators create. We make ways to make things happen and that's always going to be what we're doing. That's just what it is. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you so much, Danielle. (laughs) Thank you. Today's episode was written and produced by Matthew Brown. Music came from Tyler Litwin, Synchronize, and Darktime. You can support Danielle's hashtag ClearTheShelves fundraiser to provide free books to Chicago public schools by heading over to the store's website at semicolon shy, that's C-H-I dot com. We'll also put a link in the show notes. Next episode, in part two of our look at indie bookstores, we'll hear from Andy Hunter, the founder of bookshop.org the platform that's working to help indie bookstores not only compete with Amazon, but continue to serve their customers, communities, and employees throughout this crisis. Until then, I'm Megan Keeney-Anderson, and stay safe out there.